look at 2 John and 3 John before we jump to something else. These are epistles of John. John's such a significant writer of Scripture in the New Testament. But these two epistles typically get neglected. Um, and let's not do that. Let's deal with it. Second John, shortest book in the New Testament. It's only 13 verses. Um, and the theme of the book is hospitality. Hospitality done right. You'll see as we get into it why it's a great follow-up to 1 John. Why it's important for, for us. And we need to go forward. But it also, the, the idea of hospitality done right, before I jump into it. It means hospitality, our giving of ourselves to others, is to be done with discernment. With discretion. And a lot of times we have questions about that. And I think questions would arise right after 1 John about that. And so John writes uh, this epistle, 2 John, to deal with the subject. Hospitality done with discernment. Done right. Uh, I bet most of us, maybe if you've gone to a, um, a larger town. Patty and I were in Asheville a few weeks ago. And a uh, much larger town if you walk a downtown street in a bigger town, you're going to see homeless people. You're going to people see people sleeping on the streets, uh, cuddled up in a corner. Uh, and you're going to see people with baskets or guitar cases laid out asking for handouts. Have you ever gone up to somebody like that who's, who's you know, they're not as well off as you are and they're, they're looking for 10 bucks and you say, well, I got 10 bucks. I probably wouldn't miss the 10 bucks. Bucks. What if I just gave them 10 bucks? So you give them $10 and you go about your way. You bless them and they say thanks. Um, you go where you're going that day and on your way back to your car that evening, you pass by and see the same person you gave $10 to earlier that morning. And now they're either drunk or they're wasted and cuddled up in a corner. And when you see them in that condition, you have to think to yourself, I was part of that. You know, I might have been the one that enabled them with the last $10 gift to get the drugs or to get the alcohol and to get themselves in that situation. Did I do the right thing? Did I really mess up there? And the scripture has answers for that in 2 John. That we want to help people out. We want to love people. But we want to do it rightly. We want to do it with discernment. With discretion. And we want to know why we are doing it and not doing it. If you remember back in 1 John. It's the, it's the biggest book in the Bible that deals with the subject of Antichrist. He says, Antichrists are here in our church. Antichrists are in our church and leave our church. And then there's another crop. Antichrists don't leave us. People that are false, they, they believe themselves to be Christians, but they don't really practice it and embrace it. And they end up teaching bad doctrine. So if you know you've got someone like that, and then they knock on your door and say, hey, you know, I hadn't been at church for a while or whatever, and 
I've got some issues with that. Should you entertain them or not? Second John is written to talk about how do we get to a place of discernment? Could we be entertaining Antichrist? And begins to help us to think through everybody on the planet is either helping the cause of Christ or the cause of Satan. You're helping build the kingdom of Satan or you're helping build the kingdom of Christ. As a believer, as soon as I came under the lordship of Christ, everything, not just the 10%, but everything that is mine is the Lord's. And I need to be a steward of that. I need to use every resource he's given me to build the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of God. Or I'm using resources God gave me to help Satan, to help the enemy. And that's not discerning. That's not smart. That's not wise. And I think that's why 2 John was written. So that we can learn to do hospitality right. And we're, we're all there. And we're going to continue to be there. I've broken it down into three categories. Let's uh, see that we need to do hospitality in truth, hospitality on track, and then uh, lastly, just hospitality's trait. First of all, hospitality's truth. The first three verses is primarily what I want to deal with, but I want to read the first four. We'll keep reading as we go. But let me read the first four book, uh, verses of Second John. Hear God's word. The elder to the elect lady and her children... Only uh, book in the Bible, by the way, that's written to a lady. Uh, so the elder John, to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth. And not only I, but also all who know the truth. Because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children, so the lady's children, walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. Now, stop right there, and I'm calling this hospitality and truth. Notice what we just read. Those four verses, the word truth is found five times. That's a strong emphasis. Doesn't want us to miss it. Whom I love in truth. Also know the truth. Because of the truth. The truth and love. Walking in the truth. He wants to, us to understand. I love you. You love me. We get that. I love your children, your children love me, we get that. But we don't just love, we love in truth. We don't just speak, we speak in truth. There's a lot of falsehood. There's a lot of antichrist out there. And that lack of caring about truth and facts... The embracing of falsehood like it doesn't matter. It says it does. 
we are to have a relationship with one another as those who know and embrace the truth. It must be part of what uh, our lives are all about. Um, sometimes we're, we're told, yeah, you don't need to embrace doctrine, just love. And see, this, this, these four verses would go against that. No, 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 no. It has to be love in doctrine, in true doctrine. Truth matters. You can't just love without truth. Oh, it's, it's, it's an emotion. It's an infatuation. But it, it, it's not what builds up and edifies, helps. Must be love in truth. Um, you know, sometimes we, we even say to ourselves, um, well, I know it's not right, but I'm going to do it because I love you. Uh-uh. You know it's not truth, but you're going to do it anyway? See, that's what John's writing against. No. Don't go. That's not love. That's something else. But it's not love if it's not love in truth. You will never diminish true love by ignoring. I mean, you will, by, by bringing in doctrine, by bringing in truth, you will never diminish love. By having a knowledge of God's commandments and the way He wants you to work. Now, as a matter of fact, your love will be stronger. It will be faithful. It will be something that can be counted on. Because your love is a love grounded in, planted in doctrine and truth. Uh, look at 1 John chapter, 14, uh, chapter 4, verse 19. 1 John, so go back, just remind ourselves this. 1 John 4, beginning at verse 19. We love because He first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment, think truth, this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. The reason I love you, the reason you love me is because that's true living. That's life based on doctrine, the commands of God. We have that command, and we love each other because of truth, not because it does something for us, but because that's what we do. Uh, look at First uh, Peter chapter 1. First Peter 1, verse 22. First Peter 1, verse 22 says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. See, that's what we just read in 1 John said a different way. Our souls get purified. How? How do we get sanctified, pure? By obedience to truth. Not some wishy-washy standard, but God's truth. For a sincere brotherly love. It's practice. If we get good doctrine, we will embrace one another in good brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. I want a love that's 
not watered down. I want a love that's not here today and gone tomorrow. I want a love that's grounded in something that lasts and sticks. And doctrine is what it is. Truth is what it is. Love because the truth of God motivates us to love as opposed to loving because I scratch your back, you scratch mine. Well, I, I love you because you've done so much for me. I get that, but what if I had not done so much for you? Would you still love me? Well, we can, can love people who give us nothing. If we love in truth, love needs to be grounded in something that not necessarily immediately affects us. Um, we never increase our love by decreasing our truth. It goes the other way. You increase God's truth in your heart. You get purified in your heart by obedience to truth. And you start increasing your love. Your love starts to grow as big as the kingdom of God. It never gets diminished. And you start wanting to embrace those people you don't even know yet. But you know they're building the kingdom of God. Say, so I want to be a part of that. I want to love these people and minister to them. So our love doesn't get diminished. It grows through our commitment to Christ and His truth. Um, now, we're obviously not loving people when we are enabling them to sin. So if I give you ten bucks and it, you use it for sin, whatever that sin is, I'm not, I'm not loving you at all. I'm actually hurting you. I'm not helping you. We've got to learn how to love that doesn't hurt, but helps, and that's going to bring us back to a love in truth. Uh, back in Second John, verse 2, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever, grace, mercy, and peace. You know, this benediction will be with us. We will have grace, mercy, and peace because we have the truth. So we will be loving God. We will be loving others because we're governed by truth. This is God's way for us. Um, it's, it's this right balance between love and truth. See it in another passage. Look at 2 Thessalonians 3. A little bit longer passage, but um, I think it illustrates it well. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, beginning at... Uh, Let's say verse 5. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 5. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. And that's what we're talking about. We want God to direct us in our love. So that we love the way God wants us to. That will be love according to truth. Now, verse 6. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother. Stop and think about that. That's a strong statement. You, you don't hear very often. I want you to stay away from people who call themselves Christians. Okay? So she said, pay attention here now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I, I really want to get you sobered up to think what I'm saying. This is coming through the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ that you keep away from a brother. What kind of brother? He says, who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to 
imitate us because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anybody's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right. In other words, labor is worthy of his hire. We didn't have to, to work plus preach and all that, but we did. It was not because, verse 9, we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. They obviously had a problem with this. And they needed an example. Paul says that we gave it to you. Verse 10. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. Now, the doing good here is avoiding brothers and not giving money to people who aren't working. And it's hard to do that. So don't grow weary with that. This is important. It's, it's breaking a pattern in your church that you need an example how to get out of this mess you're in. Uh, next verse, if anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him. Wow. So there, you're going to find this so strange, you're going to say, nah, I don't think so. He said, well, then we won't fellowship with you either. He's really pushing the point that he may be ashamed. Verse 15, do not regard him as an enemy Warn him as a brother. So he hasn't written these people off. But he's saying, you're missing love in truth. And you're watering down the gospel. You're watering down the truth of Christ. You're watering down the standards of Christ. And you're saying, yeah, I know it's not right. I know there's standards I should live by. But I just want to do this. I can. He said, no. That's departing from the Lordship of Christ, and it's not showing the ones around you as well as the one you're giving to that there always must be a balance between truth and love. There's always the kingdom of Satan and there's the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God. And we are on this earth, the time we have, to build the kingdom of God, to recognize the kingdom of Satan and to turn from it. We resist the devil, the devil flees from us, And we need to be aware of that. We're not being rigid. We're not being cruel. We're not putting love over truth. We're wedding love and truth together. We are simply saying we will not accept actions without discretion. We must be discerning. The basic rule is if somebody is living in truth, the truth of God's word, we're supposed to love them, embrace them. They're our brothers and sisters in Christ. If they say they are in truth but living differently, we're to warn them and say, I really can't jump on that bandwagon of neglecting the standards, the truth of God, and give to you or your organization or whatever. Because I'm a steward of God's money and it's about building the kingdom of God. It's, it's, it's like somebody who's who's on the road to hell. You, you, you see this person on a road 
they're wasted for some reason and they want you to help them and you have to decide do I help them go down that road the road to hell I could help them is that a good is that wise or am I helping them to get off of that road and through faith and repentance into the kingdom of Christ we're always making that choice and we say well I know it's not right but I just I just had to give them I just had to help but you're helping them down the road to hell. And our mission is to get them off of that road in Christ, through faith, through repentance, so that they're building the kingdom of God. If they're not building the kingdom of God, God says, make, draw a line. Don't associate. Anybody, well, I love Jesus. You just need to help me. Yeah, but you're not living Jesus. You're not living according to the truth. We're not playing games here. We all have limited resources. We all have limited time. Hospitality needs to be done in truth. That's the first three verses. Now we move on. He stays on this track. And it's like, that's the message. As I read verses 4 and 5 and 6 and 7 all the way down to verse 11. It's like, I'm not sure you're saying anything new here. And as I read it, you'll see that he even says the same thing. Let me read a little bit. Verse 4 and 5 again. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment. In other words, I'm not telling you anything new. I'm writing, but not as if I'm writing something new. I'm not. I'm bringing you back to the same old commandments. But the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. Uh, by the way, I didn't take the time this morning. I started to, but you know how I get long winded. Uh, bringing up here the commandment, you could go all the way back to Leviticus. And I was going to go through the scripture and show you about 10 verses. That constantly, oh, they're all up there. Okay, you got them. Uh, but if you went back to Leviticus 19, 1 Timothy, uh, etc. Uh, Leviticus 19 is where you have the, the origination of the commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. And John is bringing that up here. He said, this is not a new commandment. We've had this way back. With the time of Moses and on. The people of God have been dwelling under the understanding that the standard is to love your neighbor as yourself. It's important that we love one another. I didn't go through them. 1 Timothy 5 is a good one. 1 Timothy 3, that's a, thinking about Jonathan's um, election in a month away. 1 Timothy 3 is qualification for elders. It says an elder must be given to hospitality. It's important. I had a man come to me in this church years ago and say, I think God's calling me to be an elder. Well, I knew him, and he knew me. And I said, okay, well, let me ask you just one question. And he said, what's that? And I said, um, how often do you have uh, people over to your house, say, to talk to them about Christ, pray with them, fellowship with them? And he says, well, we, we don't do that. I said, okay, how, how often are you at church, let's say 915 on Sunday morning to, to host the congregation, to uh, greet, to meet, to love, care for. He 
said, well, you know, I got a lot of little kid stuff. It, I, we, we just get there under the bell kind of thing. I said, okay. And so asked a few questions like that. I said, you're not qualified to be an elder. He said, how can you say that so emphatically? I said, well, because you you're not given to hospitality. You just don't do it. Hospitality is just as important as the doctrine. You have to have both. You don't just get to choose one. Say, well, I'm reformed. I have truth. You have to have truth in love. You have to be given to the hospitality. And we've got to think through that. That's important. And it's been that way since the beginning. And that's John's point here. Um, We have to walk in the commandments of love that have been given to us. Uh, Verse 6. Verse 7. It says, there's many deceivers. See, for many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus in the flesh. There's a lot of deceivers, people in the church, then they go out into the world, and they're living, and it's clear they're not living according to God's commands. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. So there it comes again. Uh, John's definition of antichrist is, is a deceiver. Someone who portrays to be in Christ but not living according to the truth. And catch this in first. Verse 8. Watch yourselves. Beware. So that you may not lose what we have. What we have worked for. But may win a full reward. Now, a lot of people don't like to talk about rewards. Here it is again. He says, getting this subject right you win a reward. If you don't get it right, watch yourself. You may still go into heaven. It's not saying you lose your salvation over this. But here's a clear sin where you lose reward over it. That he wants this fellowship, this interchange, this caring for one another to such a degree that he attaches a reward to it. The time in heaven where Christ is giving out rewards to those who are doing. Um, Now, it's not wise to help everybody. See, you would lose your reward there. He just mentioned, who do you not give to? Best word for us, I think, is deceiver. Don't give to deceivers. They're lying about their relationship with Christ. And as a result of lying, maybe they're lying to themselves. They don't even know it. But it's clear by their practice they are not living according to truth. They're not living according to Christ. So they are liars. They're not loving their brothers. He calls them that. They're liars. So don't give to that person because you will be giving to someone who's anti-Christ as opposed to someone who's for Christ. You want to be given, giving the resources God's giving you to Christ, His church, His kingdom. Watch yourselves. Make judgment calls. Use discernment. Use discretion. That's the kind of love I want. That's the kind of hospitality I want you to give. Uh, It wouldn't be wise to give hospitality to deceivers. To pretenders, to false prophets, 
to false teachers. Don't do that. They should know better. They talk like they know better. Don't entertain them. Don't have those, those people over. Don't go to them. So that they will be put to shame and see they need their only way back is faith and repentance in Christ. They're not living strongly and clearly for Christ. Um, we can so be easily fooled in life. Colossians 3 is one of those passages. Uh, Colossians 3, beginning at verse 16. Uh, maybe just read a little of this. Since I skipped all those other verses, I don't want to just keep skipping verses just for the sake of time. But Colossians 3, beginning at verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Again, you see the Lordship of Christ. You see Christ is your boss. Christ is your leader. Christ is the one you give all of your resources to. Whatever you're doing, whatever your job, whatever your task, Make sure you're doing it in the name of Christ. You're doing it under Christ. You're doing it for Christ. He says that's important. And then he goes into rules for wives and husbands right after that. It's the life we live is, is for Christ. It's not for ourselves. It's for Christ in his kingdom. Um, verse 23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men. As we prayed earlier, sometimes we pray just for the affirmation of men. The people will pat us on the back. He says, no, make sure what you do is not to win friends and influence people. Make sure what you do is praiseworthy to God. That you're doing it for God. So your hospitality, your love needs to be done as though God was right with you in saying, I'm well pleased. You thought that through. That was discerning love. I'm proud of that. You didn't waste a dime. You didn't waste the resources of the kingdom and aid the enemy. You helped build the kingdom of God. That's where Second John takes us. Second um, uh, John, verse 8, Watch yourself so that you may not lose what we have worked for. See, we've been building the church. And if you start giving the resources away and not think about this, you may not win a full reward. Let me show you to another place because I know that's foreign to so many people. Look at 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15. 1 Corinthians 3. Again, a strong passage on loving the church, its kingdom. 1 Corinthians 3. Beginning at verse 10, according to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. And this is Paul talking, he says, I, I come, I come to build a church. I like to go places where there's not a church and start a church, build a church. And then somebody immediately comes in and starts building on top of what I've done. That's great. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. 
For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, and hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day, capital, the day, judgment day, final day, day before the Lord, kind of thoughts here. Manifest for the day will disclose it. There will be a day when you'll see what's what. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, here's the reward again, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. Though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So the purifying fire there says, when you are working as the church, working to build the church, if your work is truly for Christ in the church, it's going to last, you'll get a reward. But if you're in the church, and you're always working for the world, you're always working to build the kingdom of Satan, you're always giving and enabling sin, instead of being purified according to a standard, then your work will all burn up. And there won't be any reward. You'll still go to heaven. You were still a true believer, but there's no reward for that because it's not going to last in the day when Satan is cast into hell eternally and never released again. And the kingdom of heaven is all there is. Only what is of value to the kingdom of heaven is going to last. So it, it, it forces us to understand what hospitality with discernment is really about. It's discerning kingdom of God, kingdom of Satan. Where do the resources go? And we need to be constantly thinking that way. So many times we fall into this temptation to just live for the here and now, for our lives under the sun, as though this is all there is. And not even think, no, there's a day where there's a lot more. And what we do now matters for that day. So we need to take care with what we do now because it will produce rewards and stations in life. There's degrees of rewards. There's degrees of work in heaven. What we do now points to all of that and it all does matter. Um, now, back in Second John, I'm up, up, down to verse 9. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. So, like, I just told you this. And if you go on ahead and say, well, it doesn't matter. I, I don't agree. I don't believe. You scoff at it and you just take off, do your own thing. He says, ha. Ah. Man, I wish you wouldn't think that way. Everyone who goes on ahead doesn't abide in the teaching. You're saying Christ's word really doesn't matter. And you're distinguishing yourself further down the road to hell instead of off the road to hell and on the road of Christ. Um, we need to see the seriousness of this. All-sufficient Christology. Christ is our all in all uh, friends are either our, Christ, our Christian friends or they are not. We need to always be evaluating. Um, 
you know, verse 10, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. What does that mean? It means don't be helping Satan. Somebody who's coming in and they're not embracing the scripture as their standard. That's not the person we want to be dishing out our resources and time to. We need to be involved in evangelism, yes, but these are people that's being described as they've been evangelized. They've said they've acknowledged Christ, but now they're living and acting as though they are against Christ. All of their resources are building the kingdom of Satan, which is going to be destroyed. Such a foolish life, and there's no reward for it. So it clearly wants us to, to realize it. Then verse 11, for whoever greets him, there's what I've been saying, takes part in his weak, wicked works. So either on one side or the other, it's, it's pretty clear. Now, let's say just one other illustration on this. The scripture is clear, thou shalt not murder. Commandment number six, we got it. Someone who is on the road to hell. Matthew 7 says that road is broad. There's many people that are on it. They're on the road to hell. They don't want to follow Christ. They don't, they're lawless. They don't want to follow God's commands. They're on that road. What are they doing? They are committing spiritual murder. They're destroying their lives by being where they are. So now I'm going to ask you, you want to help them out? You want to help them say, well, I know it's not right, but I, I just want to make them comfortable. I just, want to, I just want to give them some stuff. So you want to help them commit spiritual murder. You wouldn't help somebody physically murder themselves. Why would we want to help them spiritually murder themselves? We've got to say, no, no that's the wrong course. That's not hospitality done right. I want to help you. I, what I want to help you do is get off that road. You need faith in Christ. You need to turn from that sinful approach. You're not living under the Lordship of Christ. You're living for your pleasure, man. You're just doing it for the here and now. But there's a day where that's, that's going to be really messed up. And you've got to get off that path. And you've got to come to Christ. I can't get you there. You've got to trust Christ. You've got to turn from sin. You've got to be drawn into the kingdom of God by God. And you must be pleading that every day of your life. Instead of pleading for $10, you need to be pleading for Christ. Just because of the road you're on, I can't help you kill yourself. I'm not going there. That's not loving. The loving thing is to help you live. We've got to find ways to help people live and not continue destroying themselves. Let me finish Second John, the hospitality trait, verses 12 and 13. Though I have much to write to you, I'd rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be made complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. So if it's the children of your sister, in other words, your nieces and nephews, they say hello. They care about you too. 
He shows us this trait. We're family. And we love each other. And because we're family, and because we love each other, I could just go on and on and on and write. But family doesn't do that. Family shows up. Family shows up face to face. Family shows up in person. And he says, that's what I want. I want to do that. I want to get into your space and be face to face with you and embrace you and give you the holy kiss and see how you're doing and see how I can encourage you and see how I can build you up. I need to know your problems. I need to know your ways. I need to be with you. I don't want to just kind of pipe in a little message that, hey, I saw you online this morning. No, I want, I want to be there. That's love. That's hospitality done right. And that's where he's at. That's where the church is. We've got to not just make superficial sacrifices, toss them out. You know, I got a little money, I'll, I'll just toss it out. I'll just send it in. And we do it to the kingdom of God, and we do it to the kingdom of Satan, and we think, hey, we're being generous. But we're not even considering building the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. One we should be putting down. The other we should be very present in the moment using our gifts, our abilities to love the brethren as family. That's the hospitality trait, that we are brothers and sisters. That's why so many local congregations refer to one another. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. Because of that family trait of love, that's who... We are um, devoted to one another. And out of time. Uh, but it says, so that, the last part of verse 12, so that our joy may be made complete. This, First uh, John started with that. He says, I, the first four verses of First John says, I, I want to share my testimony with you and I want us to have fellowship with God, with one another, so that our joy can be made complete. He's ending Second John saying, I really need to get face to face with you guys so that our joy can be made complete. If I had the time, I, I, I just wanted you to see from the Gospel of John and other places, God cares about your joy. He cares about your happiness. He, he doesn't want you just to have a small amount of joy. He wants you to have a complete amount. Your reservoir needs to be filled. And he's confident that will happen when you embrace the doctrine of church as family. And that you fill your lives up with significant relationships that you are giving into. And they are giving into as well in a person-to-person -person manner. He says, I, I want that for you because that's the way it should be done. And that's going to make our joy complete. Um, let's be clear on who we live for and who we are loving so that our love is in truth 
and it exalts Christ rather than ourselves. Hospitality done right. That's not a small hospitality. That's as wide as the kingdom of God. When we do love right, it just grows the kingdom of God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this little short book that's so much about a big life. A life lived with love, grounded in truth. Father, that's the big life we're called to. That's the big life we live. And we've messed up. We've done it wrong numerous times. Thank you that you did not leave us without direction. You didn't leave us without incentives. You didn't leave us without examples. Forgive us that we've ignored it, done our own thing. Help us to come back and do, do it right. Hospitality in love, grounded in truth that exalts and builds your kingdom, that makes a distinction, Lord, that Satan still prowls about, and he's always trying to deceive us, even through our own. Father, for those here this morning that realize they're in the kingdom of darkness, deceived by Satan, and they need the light of Christ, draw them, please draw them, Lord, to yourself. Give them faith. Give them repentance. We want them to have the life of reward that you have given us. Use us.